gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. What's happening everybody and welcome to this final ESSR Central of 2020. I'm your host this week, Stephen Wilson, and we are back after taking last week off, taking a well-deserved break for over Christmas. And as usual here in Central, we're here to talk about the previous weeks, or this week, the previous two weeks, uh, worth of views in the wrestling world. Uh, this week, I am joined by Ryan Gallagher. Ryan, how you doing? Not bad, mate. I seen we were we're off last week for a, a well deserved break. I can see that everybody else has decided they're going to just continue that into this week. I just me and you, the hard grafters, mate, the solid workers on this podcast. Yep, absolutely. I'm not one for the football patter, but this is like an early preview of the old firm. You know, oh, maybe we can do that. No bother. We can talk about that. No bother if you want. Scott Brown and Scotty and Scotty Arfield. This is funnily enough because the two of them probably won't play, but. I too, actually. Never mind. Anyway, back to the wrestling. Aye, absolutely. Uh, before we get kicking on with the week's news, just the usual bit of housekeeping. You can find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Suplex Retweet. Uh, if you've not listened to us before, please hit the subscribe button on your chosen podcast platform. Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, Podbean, you name it, we're on it. And we're also on YouTube, where you can find all our great series on there. We're doing a lot of stuff over the last few months and a lot more going into 2021 including quiz showdown and the book it tournament so please go on and find there as well as the conspiracy theory uh, with the man in a dark room talking about things that he doesn't like but hey ho enough about that uh, we will sadly kick off this show this week Brian with the unfortunate news that rocked the wrestling world over the weekend and that was that uh, Brody Lee of AEW known to some people as Luke Harper in WWE unfortunately passed away due to a non-COVID lung issue at the age of just 41. Now obviously I don't want to be here and obviously you probably don't want to be here speculating on the way of that death as some people have decided to do for some reason uh, using their various platforms but at 41 years of age you know it's a horrible bit of news to end but probably be to many people an absolutely horrific year of 2020. And do you know what, mate? For for everybody, it's been a a horrible year. Um, I know me personally, it's been a horrible year. And in this news as well, you know, there's something about that that kind of rocked me a little bit when I read it because I wasn't really a, a massive uh, fan of Brody Lee in AEW. I thought the character was good to begin with, and I thought it got a bit stale. So I was kind of off it a little bit. Um, kind of expecting maybe something to to happen in the new year. Um, so when I seen the news, I thought, why, why is it affecting me so much? And then I thought, you know, the reason it's affecting me so much is because I've been reading the the tributes that people have been paying to him. Um, I was scrolling through Twitter, and every time you refreshed it, it was just somebody else for the wrestling world, whether that's WWE, AEW, um, indie wrestlers, you know, people that have worked with him before, just all commenting on how nice a guy he was. And you know, I kind of had a wee look into stuff that he's done before over the last few days as well you know things that maybe I've not been familiar with um, because also I was a big fan of him when he was in the, the Wyatt family um, the stuff he'd done him and Rowan it was it was going to be quite good and it never really went anywhere and I thought maybe when he went to AW he was going to kind of take off there and 
but there's a lot that I didn't even know that this guy was involved in you know just different matches he's had over the years I mean clips coming up on Twitter and it's just such a sad loss and you know 41 years old man like he's full career ahead of him still like people you know it's like modern day people keep themselves in decent nick wrestlers go for a good few years longer than that you know you could have seen him taking that dark order stuff to a new level as well and just the way that he went we're not going to you know, we don't even need to speculate about about reasons because we know the reasons why. You know, these these journalists—I can't remember the guy's name now—but um, the guy that put the the article. It's not naming him because people just look him up. And it just gets what he wants. I, exactly, and I'm I'm not going to. That's the thing. I'm not going to even even name him. Um, but people like him putting articles out on online on social media. Just, do you know? People like that need just take a step back and realise that somebody else has actually lost their life. A wrestler has lost their life here. You know, a man has lost his life. A dad, you know, he's he's, he's child. We seen something the other day. It was quite nice winning the winning the title off of Kenny Omega. Um, just a, a few wee bits like that. But you know, we don't need to speculate about anything. He died because he had a a, a lung issue. You know, the, the story is there. Anybody wants to go see it. He was off telly to try and sell something. They felt himself. Um, kind of getting out of breath and not being able to finish his workouts and stuff got himself checked and realised it was worse than, it, than he imagined um, and sadly has lost his life now going by the stories that we've heard they kind of knew this was maybe going to be happening um, you, they probably personally knew where this was going for the last kind of two or three weeks so they were able to make a couple of memories as well for for his son like I say with the, the kind of mega stuff so no really sad loss really really sad to see him go it's um it'll be interesting to see what happens on AEW and um, we are recording Wednesday it'll be interesting to see the show they're going to do tonight this tribute show for them um a lot of Dark Order guys involved in the matches as well um it should be a nice a nice show it'll be a sad show but it'll be hopefully they'll pay tribute to him um the kind of best way they can I think that you mentioned how it kind of hit you I think part of the reason I think it hit a lot of people is He's still active. I mean, we're used to seeing, we're used to see, seeing all these wrestlers pass away because we're kind of the age now where you're seeing all the guys from the early '90s, '80s era who, obviously, the way they conducted themselves was a lot different to what the guys conduct themselves now. So we're kind of you hear those guys and you're sad, but you kind of you kind of think like, well, it was a different time. But I don't mm. remember really an active wrestler passing away since Guerrero and Benoit in the 2000s I can't really think of anybody who was properly active you know no, still I'm, kind of competing I'm trying to rack my brains I'm trying to rack my brains just now a regular basis no I think that probably will be the last the last kind of two uh, big names that you'd get obviously there's, there's people you like a Lionheart etc but that have yeah, passed away but, but I mean in terms of we look at wrestlers, especially American wrestlers in these big companies like WWE, AEW, as being these kind of larger-than-life characters and invincible, really, don't you, because of how they come across on telly. So to see something like that happening to somebody who is active, he's top of his game just now, like I said a minute ago, the stuff he's doing with Dark Order, to, to have that kind of cut, it does kind of catch you off guard. You know, we've seen a couple of years ago, Pat Patterson dying and tributes to him flooding in. Pat Patterson was old you know it, it sounds really yeah. harsh to say but you, you're kind of expecting it at some point for somebody like Pat Patterson at his age but at 41 for uh, John Huber Brodie Lee you don't expect that at all so I think that's 
that's kind of what caught me off guard a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. As you say, he was at, he was at the point where his career was finally going to start to take off. I mean, if you look at his career, he debuted in 2003. He was about the independence for a good uh, eight, nine years until he eventually got signed by WWE in 2000 and, no, 2012 and debuted pretty much immediately in the Wyatt family. He had some great success with that. Uh over a number of different incarnations, a couple of stop start singles pushes, which a lot of people would have liked to have seen go somewhere, but unfortunately didn't happen. Uh, released at the end of last year, pretty much at this time last year, they got released by WWE, signing with AEW, pretty much, I think it was the first uh, not uh, pandemic show they did. I'm sure it was the first show with no crowd, because him and Matt Hardy both debuted on the same show. Mm-hmm. Uh, he debuted as the Exalted One, Mr. Brody Lee. Pretty much, I think... Even though, as you said, his months at the run was kind of stop-start in the way it went. He had a lot of highs and a lot of lows. But I think everybody will agree that he took that Dark Order from pretty much the mud. Well, uh, people people didn't the like the Dark Order. You know, people were taking the, taking the mick out of the Dark Order for a while because he kept going on about this exalted one um, that was coming. And before that, it was a bit of a, it was a, a piss-take, really, that the Dark Order, nobody was taking it seriously. And for him to come come on board and take that mantle and actually the character that he ended up portraying as the Exalted One was a lot different to how I thought it was going to go you know mm-hmm. when yeah. you see him wearing, wearing suits and stuff like that I thought no I, thought, I wasn't even I wasn't expecting this you know I was expecting somebody quite creepy in a mask or you know something like that but it was almost like a it's almost like a kind of businessman type thing he took on like a kind of creepy businessman um, and he take that character which like you say took the dark order from being pretty much nothing and and making it what it is just now you know what we can see and it will continue as well the dark order will find a way to keep that going you know the sad thing is it might even go over even more now um since he's passing that they might put some kind of angle on it where it will continue just now and it might even go even higher than what it was before i think there's a natural obviously trying to wrestling with the you know scripted nature of it there's a natural comparison but they're an easy shift into a face dynamic i think the dark order i think you could as you said they can easily get behind them because this time last year they were trying to make them this kind of creepy faction who it just did not click at all but mm-hmm. i've never i'm not i don't really have the time to watch being the elite every week but i watched the one they put out this week the tribute one to him and it was all the clips that they showed of the, what they were doing and it, some of the stuff's hilarious some of the stuff was yeah. actually quite good I mean you like some yeah, um, John likes the John Silver Alex Reynolds these guys will get over you know with them and there's a nice story actually as well that he actually apparently paid about a grand to get John Silver like a full robe and dark order gear that he that he wore himself because he was quite be- he was really behind all these guys that were in that stable and you look at a lot of them and as I say John Silver and Alex Reynolds independent wrestlers not as well known but John Silver's one of the most over guys in the company right now uh, mm-hmm. like Anna J you know Anna J was uh, I never heard of Anna J six months ago and no he seems to be one of these guys as well that we probably don't take or we probably take for granted um, in a kind of backstage side of wrestling because you see all these stories coming out Anna Jay I think said one about um, she had a match where she came back and he was the first one to greet her and you know it's probably easy to forget that this guy he said 2003 he had a 17 year career you know he's been everywhere he's been at the top he's had Wrestlemania matches you know he's got far more experience and far more 
um, accolades than people probably give him credit for. So backstage, he probably, I mean, he seems like the kind of guy that would have done his best to pass this on to to other people and kind of help mould other people. So I think you'll probably see a kind of few fruits of that labour coming through now, probably more so than you would have seen, or probably quicker, sorry, than you would have seen before. Mm-hmm. I always remember his WWE run. He was always that guy. I mean, Wyatt Family gimmick was amazing, but you look at Bray. Bray is a great character. What's the gimmick? Well, but his wrestling's not always been classes top tier. Eric Rowan was more like the big guy, just the, the type thing. I never really clicked too much for Eric Rowan, but Harper was always the kind of work cost, the big man who was doing moves that a big man shouldn't be doing. And every time you kind of seen him getting pushed beyond the Wyatt family gimmick, you were really, really paying for it. I remember the lead up to WrestleMania 33 in 2017, where everybody was dying for him to get in that uh, Brandy Bray match on that show. Aye. It never quite came to anything. I don't know why you had them. They had them kind of floating about, didn't they? As if they were a bit of pulled the trigger on him going into it and then nothing but my one of my kind of I was thinking back to memories about him one of the ones I enjoyed most was he in the he was in a ladder match wasn't he the, uh, 31, the, uh, that was a great match and that's again what I was saying a minute ago people don't give him credit for the things that he's done you know he was brilliant in that match as well and that's that's as high as you can go that's the pinnacle you can go a title match at, at Wrestlemania for, for me anything kind of title match at Wrestlemania for me is, is peak in this business so um, for him to be in that I think he didn't get the credit that he probably deserved while he was alive but I think a lot of people now since he's passing will go back and actually probably admire what he done a lot more now which is sad in hindsight yeah he's got he's got he's got a great repertoire if you look back at it he, has, he had that ladder match and he also had the ladder match to the end of the previous year with Dolph Ziggler at that TLC mm-hmm. pay-per-view which kicked off that show and was an absolute barnstormer this is the point where he was just breaking out of the Wyatt family he got randomly chucked into that Survivor Series uh, uh, match that year with the Authority versus Team Cena which came out mm-hmm. of absolutely came out of absolutely nothing let's be honest with you he was, they had this creepy thing where there was the video with just his eyes and you're like right he's going to come back and just bar people and it's like no he's been Hired by Triple H and Stephanie to beat up to beat up Dolph Ziggler, which nah, that was weird. Uh, and I'll, uh, I don't need an excuse to go back and watch the Wyatt Shield match, Elimination Chamber no. 2014. It's one of the one of the best matches of of recent times. I reckon that one. It's definitely up there. See if anybody, if you wanted to show somebody like just what WWE done well at that point. Having the shield against the Wyatts, that, that's two, that's two of the best stables has ever been for me in in wrestling. And having them um, in that match, and the fact that they killed it as well, is outstanding. Mm-hmm. Ah, it's a fantastic match. You know, it was one that they had to. You feel like they had to do, and in hindsight, mm-hmm. that was the only time they could do it because obviously they broke the shield up. The Wyatts, the, the shield and the Wyatts both had breakups back together, breakup back together. It was mental in that one, but you felt like. AW, you felt like in the next couple of years or so he was going to break out. I mean, they chucked him quite early on into that match with Moxley at Double or Nothing, which yep. probably it's a good match for one with Moxley, but it's probably not the time. And I think the fact problem with the Moxley reign is they put these guys in with him when they were red hot and uh, Moxley beats them, so they have to kind of build them back up again. But 
Uh, he's uh, he's matched with Cody in August when he wins the TNT title. It's still what people were talking about that as one of the best moments of the year, even before all this unfortunate news came out. You know, he's yep. feud to be Cody. Many people are saying that's the best feud AEW's done all year as well. And it had me hooked in AEW. To be fair, that one it, it had me hooked in in AEW at that point because. Like I say, I've always been quite a passive AW watcher. You know, I'll watch the the kind of clips when they come on to social media. If I see something, I'll maybe go back and watch the full show and, and kind of get involved with it. But that was one that I was hooked on. That whole storyline was one that I was hooked on. So um, I keep saying it. He doesn't get the credit for for what he could do. You know, I think now people going back watching will probably give him more credit now, which I think is quite sad that. And me, me included. You know, I'll include myself in that. You know, having hindsight's a, a wonderful thing. I just wish I kind of gave him the credit for it at the time and appreciated it. Obviously, not knowing what was going to happen. So, aye. And as you mentioned earlier on, the tributes have flowed in from everywhere. I mean, it's a surreal sight in the current climate when you were seeing the AW Twitter account retweeting Stephanie McMahon yeah. and the likes of that as well. That just shows the impact it has. I mean, you, there's the clip of the raw talk after pretty much raw this week of Xavier Woods he pretty much just kind of mid conversation whatever they're talking but just jumps in just goes Brody Lee blood of it talks about yeah. it's I just was, uh, I was sad man that, that got me as well seeing that I think Xavier Woods is one of these guys that's I'm going to say he's good for stuff like this but he's he's quite open and you can get you can totally appreciate where he's coming from when he says these things and pays tributes to folk and um you know, you've even seen when you compared it to the one of them, and even when Big E was leaving the mm-hmm. the new day and stuff, and he's kind of promo cut on that it was quite heartfelt. And you can get involved in it, but this one was even worse. You know, I was nearly bubbling just seeing him getting um, getting thingy up. But on the on the tributes, one one thing I wanted to chuck in, um, I seen uh, Brian Myers tweet um, following WWE putting out the the wee photo at the start of Raw. Um, just in memory of John Huber, Luke Harper, blah blah. blah. Um, and Brian Myers was was tweeting saying, "Oh, no ten bell salute, no this, no that, blah, no video package." I just kind of want to defend WWE a little bit on that because we don't know how they've decided to to do that. That could have been that could have been a, a full talent decision they could have had. They might have went, you know what? No, we don't need to put video. Pa-. They might not have a a lot of video packages of Luke Harper. You know, it's probably not a a great deal. That they can put out there that's going to like showcase a pure brilliant career because of the type of stuff that they've done there but what they can do is pay tribute to them their own way and that's having the photo up there but then as we know paying tribute the whole way through the show everybody for Drew McIntyre, Tom Phillips, Xavier Woods um, all these guys paying, paying tribute to them I'm um, pretty sure Alexa Bliss paid tribute with the, the yeah 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 as well at some point Yeah there's, um, there's a, a couple of that there's one uh T-Bar Dijakovic does the kind of thing that he did with the in the entrance Aye. for Retribution there was the bits like that the discus clothesline aspect of, I think I think the thing with it is Brian Myers Kurt Hawkins is clearly you could tell he's a man who's really upset about his pal dying so he's maybe not thinking clearly on it mm-hmm. but I think the thing about it is WWE with these things they don't usually do those sorts of tributes with the 10 bell salute and that unless it's somebody like who's actively part of the staff idea. I don't yep. even think they did it with Bruno San Martino. Everybody knows what Bruno San Martino is. But I think yeah. as well, they've got to also think, I know they're the industry player, but Brody Lee was a signed AEW talent. So they, there's, there's 
a lot of talk from a lot of websites that WWE have filmed video packages type stuff. I think it was PW Insider put on it. They've actually got a video package done up since then. They've got wrestlers who have been filmed paying tributes. So there may have been a situation that they probably maybe just left that bit until, you know, uh, AEW do their thing. Because he is an AEW signed talent. AEW's Mm. had him on the roster. I think it's, I know they are the industry leaders, but I, I personally think if they've got something like AEW do their thing first and they just do the subtle things that they've done and let the guys do what they want to do. Yeah, and and like I say, that was me kind of giving them the, the benefit of the doubt on this. I, I think, to be honest with you, that's probably WWE's best way to do it. I, I don't have a problem with that at all. I've seen a lot of folk replying to Brian Myers saying, oh, joke your company and blah, blah, blah. I don't actually think, I think he was way off the mark, to be fair. Um, I've seen people agreeing with him. Their reasoning for it, I don't agree with. Um, for agreeing with him to be honest with you I think they've, they paid tribute to him on that show the best way they could let's be honest Luke Harper wasn't a massive character in WWE right he was a he was a mid-carder who never quite got the push right doesn't mean he was bad doesn't mean he was by any stretch of the imagination a bad character he was a great character but he wasn't like a top guy so what I'm saying by that is they probably don't have a great deal of stuff that they can just put on I mean you're not going to make a video package of them doing discus close lines you know what I mean? It's not going to work. So the best way for them to do that is the way they done it. Pay tribute to him at the start, have his follow up, continue your show as normal, but just drip in wee bits, wee tributes to him throughout the show. Individual wrestlers can do it. Um, and for me, I think that's the best way. To be honest with you, I don't have a problem with that at all. And I think people that have a problem with it, this isn't the time to have a problem with stuff like that. In all honesty, it's not the time. It goes beyond what promotion you like, you know, what you right. what you feel about how Vince booked him type idea. It doesn't really matter at this point in time, you know. No, and exactly. uh, you gotta give credit I I gotta give credit to AEW though, the way they've kinda the way they've kinda handled the whole thing I think has been great. Tony Khan's conducted himself magnificently they they made the the right move and scrapped their plans for this week to have this sort of tribute show focusing on the guys the Dark Order guys, the guys he was quite behind as well, and you mentioned mm-hmm. about uh, the things with his son I mean the news that's came out that they've offered them pretty much offered to kind of give him a contract to essentially say he can have, he can wrestle there when, he, when he's older and he wants to, and mm-hmm. essentially to help provide provide for his uh, wife and his kids as a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an incredible gesture, you know, it's not it's, Tony Khan uh, does, you know, it shows he does care about his uh, wrestlers Tony Khan's a nice guy. I get the impression of Tony Khan and the, the Khan family. I get the impression that they're, they're nice folk. Um, to them, they're they're multi multi millionaires. I don't know if they're billionaires, but um, they've got they've got plenty of money in the bank. Um, Brody Lee was probably handsomely paid being across there. There's no reason why they can't continue that that payment to his family, whether that's giving his son a contract to, to follow in his footsteps, whether he takes him up on that or not, you never know. He might not want to get into wrestling, he might he might not be very good. You never know. But even just a gesture to, for for a good few years to keep them keep them ticking over with that salary, even if it was for six months and then they they done it, it would, it would help them get through, you know. But I get the impression that they would you know, as, as long as AEW is a company, I reckon that they'll be they'll be well looked after, which is a great it's a great gesture. Mm-hmm. Definitely, especially with uh, America the way they are with the pandemic at the moment, it's not exactly like 
it's a difficult time for economy wise over there so mm. to have that kind of backing in a sad time you know is, a, is an incredible gesture but as you say there's there's tons of stuff out there though on Luke Harper Brody Lee's career if you've never really seen it it's, there's some great stuff I mean WWE put up there the platform of some of his best stuff on it for some reason excludes that ladder match with Dolph Ziggler but you can find that <laughs> TLC sure it's TLC 2014 it's the last pay-per-view of 2014 anyway it's a fantastic What's, match I was thinking this was TLC 2014 not the one that they get rid of off of the I'm pretty sure I've seen somebody recently saying that TLC 2014 had been taken off of the, the network at some point I might be wrong on that 2013 it was was it? Right? I, I, I remember it was one. I thought typical. Like <laughs> get that one back on there. He does have a match on that card. He's in a handicap match. Wyatt Family against Daniel Bryan on the twenty thirty. I'm sure it's back on the network now because I'm sure I've seen they put something up. But I think it was. It had that. It was on. See, they've got those. Uh, just those random matches that they put on these. I'm sure they had one of the matches from that card on it. But I twenty four. 2014. Yeah, TLC. Him versus Dolph Ziggler opens that card. It's got a terrible main event between Bray Wyatt and Dean Ambrose, but that this particular, I'll be brutally honest, the card's not great apart from this match. It's pretty much a standard. It's got the stairs match between Big Show and Eric Rowan. You know, but watch this match. Did you see? Did you see one of the stories that the the ref just this will be the last bit on on Brody We can move on to to some happier news. Well, I say happier. Raw isn't he very happy these days? But um, one of the the stories that one of the refs said because Luke Harper used to always come down and go onto the steps and look at the see the kind of LED board they put around the, the, the turnbuckle mm-hmm. he used to get down that and he put a wee sticker on it that said Harper sucks on it because he knew fine well that he would look right at it so he was right down I'm, I'm showing this to you people who can't see this but he's right down looking at it and he could just see it there and apparently he was raging but he got him back immediately by removing after the, the match he threw he can't get lost and he threw a bit of a flaky and he like battered the, the ring steps and picked them up and dragged them up the ramp and chucked them away knowing fine well that the ref had to go and get them again because <laughs> she had to go and get them and fix the ring I thought that was brilliant that's total karma but decent pattern as well for him there's a good one about the was a Big E put out about it that the, he said Big E said he liked to always wind up the female wrestlers and as the one that he said Big E he said Big E a text of uh, a picture of him and the picture of Sonya Deville wearing the suit on the Smackdown before SummerSlam aye <laughs> the same ones as ever. and there's that pitch, there's that picture where they were in the bunch of them were on that tour where he was uh, he wasn't happy he got any merch so somebody got the merch made for him I made the t-shirt for Jericho put it up and they, they all put the merch so it's like Jericho Wyatt Cesaro Sheamus Roman Reigns is even in there you know so Brilliant. just shows the impact on him but no it's a sad it's a sad loss for the wrestling industry and he's a guy who will be well, uh, very much missed by the fans and obviously the talent and we hope that AW, AW should put on a show worthy of his memory. I think I think there's no denying given what AEW's done over the course of 2020 with the circumstances. So that yeah. should be a very, very fitting tribute. But moving away from that sad news, we're going to talk about some other stuff in the wrestling world. And since we've last been on air on Central, there's been a pay-per-view in WWE. And it was the 2020 edition of Tables, Ladders and Chairs, the final pay-per-view of the WWE schedule. And... Ryan, it's a pay-per-view that many are saying was probably one of WWE's best since the pandemic started, I think it's fair to say. Mate, I really, really enjoyed this pay-per-view and I don't, I tend to 
to get that way recently see pay-per-views that aren't one of the big four I, I tend to think they, they kind of disappoint me other than um, NXT pay-per-views but WWE pay-per-views um, kind of main roster they seem to kind of underwhelm me I feel like they just have too many pay-per-views which they've had for years they've had too many pay-per-views but I feel like the ones that they've had recently have just been kind of buffing out storylines that you kind of knew it was going to happen you know even like Hell in a Cell for example was decent there was no real shocks on it though there was nothing that that made you go I need to watch that you know you could quite easily have guessed what the results were going to be beforehand um, and probably got most of them right so I think to, to watch this one um, was brilliant you know especially the fact that they they kicked off the show with the, the Drew match obviously taking the eight man tag out of the equation um, kicking off the show with the WWE Championship match as well I thought I thought that was going to be last so when I seen that first, I thought they must have something in store for a show that's going to that's going to rock this, and it did. I loved it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a. I'm, I was kind of like, I don't really. I'm not that fussed about staying up for a lot of these B pay per views because let me be honest, I'm working from home. You can stay up and still, you know, don't need to worry about stumbling, uh, driving half tired to work. But um, speak for yourself. I, uh, I know, anyway, I'll see how it goes in, coming, uh, in the next few months, but yeah, I was kind of like, right, I'll, I'll go to bed, I'll wake up in the morning, I'll read the reviews, and it's like, if it sounds like it's good, I'll watch it, if it's not, then I'll, I wouldn't pay too much attention, but I read up on it, and everybody's like, the one thing I said, the, the one, the first few reviews I said is like, the main event's a bit hit or miss, depending on what you like, but everything else has been, is, is spot on, and I think that pretty much summed up very well, that you mentioned the match between Drew and AJ, it was always really going to deliver, I think, in a certain way. Uh, but it gets trumped later on the night by Roman and KO. I mean, they two absolutely. I think it gets four and a half stars from Meltzer. What Meltzer doesn't give four and a half stars to WWE matches these days. So, uh, I mean, he seems to have a consistent three point seven five on Sasha Banks for some strange reason. <laughs> even though Sasha Banks has been the best, most consistent on the WWE roster this year. Uh, but, yeah. I think we we all know my thoughts on Dave Meltzer's. Um, no, these he, 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 his reigns have made it very clear recently that I think that he's, he's full of shit to be honest with you um, but no I, I do agree with him on, on that sense over these matches I mean with the Drew and Styles at the start you've also got the, the Miz being added in later on I'm, not, I'm just going to say it mate see when he cast it in I called exactly what was going to happen this week on Raw with, with the, the Money in the Bank briefcase <clears throat> I called it I knew it was going to happen I knew he was going to get it back because that was going to be their way out of it I, I didn't see the point in them wasting the Money in the Bank briefcase twice in the one year you know with, with Otis having it and then losing it for some reason rather than just cashing it in and then the Miz losing it in a, a triple threat match as well that he's put himself into it, it didn't make sense that they were going to ruin the briefcase twice so the fact that he's got it back is a nice wee twist they got on it, but um, decent match. Two of them, two of them killed it. Sasha Banks and Carmella, I actually thought was really, really good. I actually really enjoyed that match. One of, when, one of Carmella's best matches, I think. Aye, she's, she, she's improved quite a lot as well. You know, this this character change, I think, has been drastically needed because her character never changed the end zone cast. It was always the same. It went through however many different partners you know Denzel and Cash you had James Ellsworth you had the Arthur stuff you know the character never changed with Carmella so I think the as much as she improved the character didn't 
so it did need to go hand in hand so I think going away for a while and come back with this new this new character this kind of new attitude it almost kind of it adds to how much that she's improved in the ring as well because before it was just uh, it's just Carmela you know she's she's not going to get anything whereas now you're going hold on a minute this character could get somewhere and she's got yeah. the the in-ring talent to go with it now mm-hmm. yeah I think so I, I, I was very impressed with it uh, Carmela was one of those names that you mentioned in that tweet by the WrestleVotes saying that they were asking all the writers who needs more utilisation she's one of the names that came up from a lot of people mm-hmm. and I think she's helped sell that one well the the tag team title match between the Hot Business and the U-Day, uh, I really liked the. I felt like, see the closing segments, at the closing stretch of this match? They made the Shelton and Cedric look absolutely dominant in it. I mean, Shelton Benjamin looked like the best he's looked in, like, ten years. Mate, I've always been a fan of Shelton Benjamin. Even when Shelton Benjamin came back, I thought it was a bit underwhelming the way that he came back. But in the ring, Shelton Benjamin's probably one of, I'm going to say one of the best to ever do it. He really is. Like, If you were to have Shelton Benjamin going up against anybody, give him the right storyline, they could put on a cracking match. See, the way that I always do it is, see if I think about somebody who's came back like a Shelton Benjamin, right? I would think, would he work if he went to NXT tomorrow? Because we know NXT gives people a lot more time to build characters and a lot more time to to put on decent matches and, and kind of tell a story that way I always think would he work just out if he had a match in NXT yes 100% would so I think the talent has always been there they've now found this stuff with the Hurt Business which I, I mentioned earlier on about the, the Shield and the Wyatt's been two of the best factions that have ever been in WWE it's very very early day it? but I'm, I reckon Hurt Business are going to be up there by the time this, this runs its, its course because it's just it's absolute money it's, it's MVP he's very best it's somebody who was very underwhelming when he came back at the um, the Royal Rumble this year and has now became the MVP which we've, uh, we've joked about that before but he really has been he's a it's an example it's reinvigorated careers of the guys and you look at uh, MVP obviously uh, was pretty much retired essentially and mm-hmm. then now he's come in and managed these guys Bobby Lashley was doing that stuff for Lana which absolutely sucked you know and his WWE comeback has never really took, taken off but he gets a world title match in the summer now he's at the, the US champ which is good we mentioned there Shelton Benjamin Shelton Benjamin I think two, 2004 Shelton Benjamin was probably the best uh, wrestler on the WWE roster you know that, that was the year he had that spot with a super kick from Shawn Michaels everybody shows the springboard uh, and like, kicks his head off then the next year he gets lumped in that feud with the with his mama apparently so he's always just been an example of nobody who's got in and yeah. Cedric Alexander we've always seen we've seen since Cedric Alexander's been in there he can go but he's never had the proper storyline and I think now that they've got that one the hot business has helped reinvigorate these guys careers which and obviously now they're the tag champs so it's the big quote there's a lot of people speculating about how the hot business can take all the gold and there's a few theories going about that a lot of people would love to see Keith Lee turn heel and join the Hurt Business and take the world title I would like that but for me what I can see happening um, of them taking all the gold I can actually see MVP at some point taking the US title where Lashley loses it and then so that's a kind of long term booking thing I can see Lashley losing the, the US title and then going for the world title, getting a world title, and then MVP taking 
um, a, a wee bit like the Undisputed Era when Cole had the North American title went mm-hmm. on to the, the world title and then I think was it uh, Roddy Strong got the uh, thing the North American title back I can see something kind of similar to that happening because I, I can't see MVP taking the big title but also I can't see them adding anybody else to the faction I think the heart business is the four I think when you start putting five in it you start getting to retribution territory where you've got too many names in it too many different faces that, that you know, it totally dilutes we are trying to do so I reckon they'll stick with the four I can see that being the best way that they that they get all the gold and by the way I'm here for it if it happens because I'd love to see that mm-hmm. speaking of all the gold uh, Charlotte came back as well <laughs> much to your um, annoyance don't a bit. even mention that woman's name in front of me mate. don't even mention it do you know I'm absolutely livid because see when we done this season of the draft I was sitting there going do I pick her do I just do I, I was like do I do it for a laugh for serious or for a bit of both and I thought I'm not going to pick her I'm not going to pick her I'm going to pick somebody else and I've I've made an asset mate I should have picked her I was I, I thought the exact same I was like because I picked uh, I picked Mia Yim as my last one because I could not think um, I was between Mia Yim and Aaliyah Mysterio who has suddenly disappeared from Smackdown <laughs> in recent weeks Brilliant. Can I check how much points Charlotte Flair's got since she's came back she might be back to has anybody picked her? No, nobody picked her. Nobody. No, no. She's, got, she's got 26 points in two weeks. That's, that's shocking, man. That's absolutely shocking. That, <laughs> that, that's, that's like a, that's essentially a turnaround on it, you know, because she's been everywhere. But that was uh, that was like the worst kept worst kept secret in wrestling that she was going to come back for that one. I think it's been speculated for the last two or three pay per views that she was coming back, and then you see Lana getting injured, you thought, right, it's obvious what's going to happen here. It's obvious she's coming back. Um, but the fact that she has come back, she's went straight into Charlotte Flair mode. I'm surprised she's not showed up in the NXT yet um, to defend the title. She probably will in the next couple of weeks um, as well because she just likes to get about. But do you know what? I think I said to you in the chat when I was watching this match, I think it was up quite late watching it. Um, and I said in the chat, I said, see for the, the annoyance that people have got with Charlotte Flair about her being front and centre all the time, winning the Rumble, you know, getting world title matches against, you know, also Rio Ripley and stuff like that and just always kind of being there on every show. I think it's easy to forget just how good Charlotte Flair actually is in the ring. She is outstanding. I reckon Charlotte Flair is probably the best female wrestler that I've ever watched. In all honesty, I, I think she can do absolutely everything. Her storytelling's great. The way she gets involved in matches, I think, is brilliant. You know, like I said, she doesn't get the credit sometimes, I think, because she's got about that Roman Reigns factor a bit. Her, but she's going to say Roman, Roman Reigns was the one I was going to I was going to compare to because Roman Reigns we've seen for many years he was shoved in the throat and everybody hated him. But now that Roman Reigns has actually got a proper brilliant gimmick, everybody's yeah. like Roman Reigns is brilliant, you know. Nice. But Roman Reigns has always been that good. I think I think he just got a bad bat just because. WWE have been determined to shove him down your throat. It's like when you look back at John Cena. I mean, for years everybody's like John Cena sucks, but you'd be kind of like, I would take John Cena back and he's prime in a heartbeat. Aye, uh, and that's I think it's storylines that, that annoy people. You know, they they missed the boat with with Roman at the start of his career with that Rumble match when he got beat off. Uh, was it Batista that that beat him in the Rumble? Remember the last two? That was a year they had to pull the trigger on Roman. To, to cap at him. After that, it then became a case of us watching Roman 
every single week leading up to the next Royal Rumble and it just got a bit boring having to watch it because it's almost like they were like we've actually missed the boat on that one we missed the chance there let's 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 make them win it next year by the next year people are going actually we don't want to see them now like we missed the chance we've moved on to somebody else now so um but back to back to Charlotte I think she's got the same kind of the same kind of thing going for her I don't really know how she can change her character because her character's changed so many times um so I think she's almost kind of stuck at this point now I think people are going to need to just appreciate what they've got appreciate when Charlotte was away there for a while and seen her coming back appreciate what they've actually they've missed in terms of somebody just being that good in the ring mm-hmm. speaking of somebody who's that good in the ring I mean he, he gets on he's the opposite from Charlotte Flair and Kevin Owens you know talked obviously about how well rated that match was Ke- there's not many guys there's not many wrestlers I've seen in the last year or so in WWE who could came out of a match maybe other than Jey Uso actually against Roman Reigns as well that have came out actually looking much better than they did going in despite losing like Jey was a guy who just looked up he just would not lay down no, and I've said in, in the chat quite a few times the last few weeks to, to all you that's my first chance on a podcast to say it Kevin Owens for me is the best worker that WWE have got at a minute um, you can talk about about what Rangers doing, I because he's he's the top dog and blah blah. But the the versatility of Kevin Owens is frightening. You know, we we sat and watched him on NXT one week, bringing the KO. Show. He was on commentary. He then brought the KO show out to to interview the North American title contenders. He had the comedy factor in that. It was it was really entertaining to watch. And then that Friday, he was on SmackDown. And then they set the the kind of tone for this Roman stuff, and it's almost like the the wee feud they had with Jay at the start of it, and then moving on to Roman. It's the best way to describe for, the best way to describe it for me is Owens doesn't need a lot of time to build himself up. Owens is the kind of guy who can just flick a switch like that and go right. What am I this week? Cool. Am I going to be in a main event? Right. Give me three weeks. And I'll have people totally invested in this match and they've done it. You know, within two two or three weeks I'm going, give me this match now. Yeah, I need to have Owens against Reigns. And he's just he's brilliant. His storytelling is setting to none. You know, he's a guy that I actually don't want to see Owens win the title. I don't want Owens to be a top guy. I reckon Owens is one of these guys who does his best work just in feuds. I don't think he needs a title. I think special he needs a, a f- special as a face. If he's a heel, it's different. But as a face, he doesn't really need the belt. No, and even the stuff he done with, with Rollins earlier in the year, leading up to, to WrestleMania, that was brilliant. That was amazing storylines for, for weeks going up to that. You know, he, he can get... Kevin Owens should get me invested in absolutely anything that he does. Aye. He could, could sell his to a polar bear. I think it's the best. Is a comparison, you know. Where the planets go in the room, mate, they might fucking need it. <laughs> uh... Speaking of the opposite of Vice, uh, what side are you are you swaying on the Firefly Inferno match? See anybody who said that all 12 minutes of this match were, were boring and were rubbish, get a life, get a grip of yourself. This was brilliant, this match. This is what we needed for this story. This, this couldn't have just been another either boring match between these two or another boring kind of cinematic match that they've done before. I we know that it was pre-recorded bits of it with the with the ending and stuff, but do you know the storylines that they can lead after this 
you know, where they can take this story after this this match. That was brilliant, mate, and I actually I enjoyed it because it was you didn't really know which way it was going to go the whole way through. It could it be the fact that Randy Orton was wearing a hoodie and stuff? I was thinking maybe he could get set in fire here. You never know. Like, could at one point I was thinking could Randy Orton be the one that gets set in fire and runs away, and we don't see him for a few weeks, and then he comes back with a different persona. You know, there was loads of different ways that I thought this could have went, but the way they actually they had it finish for me was was brilliant. Yeah, anybody who thinks it was cheesy or corny or whatever, they're saying get a life, man. It was brilliant. I kind of I was watching it and I was thinking in my head back to the, the late nineties where Kane and Undertaker had the first Inferno matches, mm-hmm. and I was thinking like people probably thought this was a lot of guff when that first time I mean there's two guys trying to bomb and put themselves on fire you know what's the point in that but see when you watch back to 1998 and the Kane and Undertaker's first two matches many people would say the Inferno match is better than the match they had at Mania in 98 mm-hmm. so it's more just they just ramped up a bit because of the Fiend's nature to it I think it comes down a lot to certain people not liking the Fiend character more than anything else it's like if you're like a lot of you see a lot of pure wrestling fans maybe not getting the feed because they can't go and that there's that thing it's just too corny but it's end of the day it's it's wrestling at the end of the day it's not always and, and that's the launched. kind of folk that's the kind of folk you need to get a life mate <laughs> because i you've just, you've summed that well it's people who maybe don't like the fiend or try to be too Try to be too posh and too fancy about what type of wrestling they class as wrestling. Like, just enjoy it for what it is. It was a great, it was a great TV moment. It was a great TV program to, to watch. You know, if that happened in any other TV program, you'd be going, "Oh my god!" See if somebody watched Coronation Street tomorrow and two guys did a fight, run a fire, and one of them gets set in fire and burned alive, you'd be going, "Great telly." It's the same idea. Wrestling's a soap opera. You know, there's a bit of fighting in it, but it's a soap opera, and and it's something you want to get invested in. And for me, that was great. I love that. And they've wrapped it up in a couple of uh, Raws since then with uh, Alexa Bliss coming back. And yep. there's a particular moment at the close of Raw this week that it became quite meme level of uh, Alexa Bliss in the puddle of gasoline. Yeah. As she stares at Randy Orton, it's just like many people have memed it in different ways, you know. But Alexa, you can imagine. <laughs> I hadn't seen Alexa in a few weeks though, so I think having her there has kind of padded out this feud because the Fiend character's one we can kind of get away with having away for a few a wee while. He's uh, we had it in the summer; he was barely ever there. And then when he came back, he came back with a vengeance, then lost the title a week after. But that was just because of Roman more than anything. <laughs> so Alexa's a good way to kind of pad it out, and she's doing a good. She's teasing the potential of the Fiend coming back. I mean, we've got the. Legends Raw, the first one of the year, coming up, and there's a tease of her of uh, the fiend uh, hitting the mandible claw on Hulk Hogan. I think many people would love to see that him come back and just you know batter Hulk Hogan. Just to to, to finish off what you said there about um, Alexa Bliss, you know, I was going through I was going through Twitter. Um, we don't normally do this. We don't normally quote other podcasts, but. Um, inside the ropes, Gary Cassidy was tweeting, he live tweets during Raw and he, he actually summed up Alexa Bliss for me perfectly, he said Alexa Bliss has a career in Hollywood waiting for her the second she steps away from wrestling an incredible performer and I, I think that's spot on because 
Alexa Bliss again, like I said to you earlier about Kevin Owens, about going between different um, different characters, whether he's playing the funny character, whether he's doing a serious character, the brawler character, back to his NXT days, where he was just a total bruiser character. Alexa Bliss is the same. It wasn't. It was only a few months ago that she was kicking about the the stuff with coffee. You know, she's drinking coffee with, um, with, with, with Nikki Cross, and then slowly but surely over the next kind of couple of months, she starts getting this week thing with the fiend. It came through Braun Strowman because of their connection. It then got latched on. She then kind of got under the spell of the fiend. She had a few moments on on different Raws and Smackdowns when she was just outstanding um, and now you look at her she's completely in this and she doesn't look at a place being involved in this this fiend storyline as well you know it's anybody else she could have taken and just chucked a woman in there as this kind of sister Abigail type character that people have been wanting to see for years but for her coming into that she doesn't look at a place she looks like she's meant to be there now and for somebody who was drinking coffee five or six months ago that's outstanding but um, back to the the stuff you were saying there about kind of battering Hulk Hogan, all for that, mate. Love to see Hulk Hogan getting battered. Like, <laughs> I'd love to see anybody batter Hulk Hogan, doesn't matter who it is. So, bring it on if it if it happens. Yeah, the the stuff you said there about Alexis is pretty much spot on. Uh, David Campbell and the guys talked about it a couple of weeks ago on an Alexa Bliss show and a back catalogue in the feature on, pretty much saying how her mic work is so good, her, her character work that forget sometimes about our matches like a lot it's quite hard to go back and name an Alexa Bliss match but there's plenty of Alexa Bliss moments you know so I just told her she does uh, character wise uh, speaking of that legend show next week uh, this week on Raw uh, they crowned the number one contender to face Drew on that particular show and it was Keith Lee defeating Sheamus uh, now Ryan on this week's feature show we looked at the the future of WWE. A couple of the guys on the show there said the Royal Rumble is too early for Keith Lee in terms of his potential going forward. But in the day, well, pretty much on the night that we've recorded that show, <laughs> uh, Keith Lee's now been put in a title match a month before the Royal Rumble. I don't know. Is this just a, a way of not having... Is this both, one, a ratings move to have that Drew Keith match and two a way to kind of do some sort of nefarious means from Sheamus that will event that will probably lead to a Sheamus Drew match at the Rumble Aye I, I, I can see I listened to the feature show the other day when they were talking about the, the future for Keith Lee and they were talking about um, you know if the, the Rumble was too early for him to win I think him having this match just now on Raw completely rules Keith Lee out of any world title match like leading up between now and WrestleMania, I don't think that he, I think if you'd asked me this last week, I would have said Keith Lee stick on for the Rumble. He's going to go to WrestleMania. We'll see what happens for there if he wins it or not. But I think the fact that he's got this match just now is going to put him into a, a different kind of feud. Whether it's um, with with Sheamus as well, I can see Sheamus getting involved in this match and starting a kind of extended feud, which we're now far too close to the Royal Rumble to, to kind of take out the equation so I can see at the Royal Rumble there being a match between Keith Lee and Sheamus to be honest with you and somebody else for Drew in all honesty you know that maybe gets a, a shot over the next couple of weeks it could be 
Sheamus is involved in the match with Drew at the Rumble, I can see Keith Lee getting involved in that and continuing a storyline there, which is kind of going to rule him out for that, which is quite sad um, because I, I would have liked to have seen Keith Lee win the Rumble. Um, I think... I, I don't even know who it's going to be to win the Rumble, to be honest with you. you know, I, think, I'm, I'm, uh, I think Keith Lee is the only plausible member on the raw side I say active because you've got the likes of Edge and Goldberg floating about uh, and it would then put you on the Smackdown side oh, it's going to be Goldberg in it it's going to be fucking Goldberg in it hope not well oh, on the Smackdown mate. side you've got a month ago I would have said Big E but I'm not entirely sure on it now the name I floated on the feature show was Daniel Bryan aye I could see that especially because he's the first he was the first guy to announce himself he had that promo and talking smack this week to Paul Heyman pretty much saying I'm better than Roman Reigns in any form of I'll beat him then I can beat him then you know so and I think everybody would love to see a Daniel Bryan Roman Reigns match especially if what Bryan's saying re- recently that he's going to event start becoming a part time wrestler when, he's con- when his current contract runs out later in the year yeah I can see I can see Daniel Bryan wanting it to be fair having one last even one last run with the belt um, whether it's a short run or not um, but, which it probably would be going by the, the contract situation I could see that happen I could see him winning um, against Roman at Wrestlemania and then losing it pretty quickly afterwards um, just to have that kind of last last moment for him um, for me that's the only possible option just now Daniel Bryan I think like I said I'm, I'm ruling Keith Lee out personally I don't think it's going to happen um, if it does great all for that um, but I I don't see it happening same with you Big E don't see it happening um, Sheamus is the only other one that's kind of floating about just now don't see that happening it's either going to be Daniel Bryan for me or it's going to be uh, Goldberg I reckon I, I, honestly mate as much as I hate to say it I can just see I can see them doing something like that I can see them putting Goldberg on because they've not got a big Saudi show to rule them out this year because they kind of travel I can see them roll, rolling Goldberg out for that one or another curveball which might happen and this could be setting kind of put in place for the next couple of weeks The Miz we could see something happen with The Miz cashing in the, the, the money in the bank making an R set and then potentially winning the Rumble as well that's just an outside kind of bet that I, I'd maybe not rule out I wouldn't rule it out but I had to need to do a lot on the the Miz thing uh, you mentioned uh, Big E there as well we obviously mentioned the Smackdown side of things and uh you obviously used to review SmackDown on a weekly basis, Ryan. Or Don't talk about weekly it. Basis, bi-weekly basis. And uh, you watched a lot of guff when you did that. So you would have been obviously quite annoyed that the Christmas Day edition of SmackDown was delivered over 3 million viewers on average for the full show and was probably one of the best shows WWE's put on in the last year. It just shows when you have good, consistent product on one-year shows... People will watch it regardless of the situation, and this week's SmackDown showed that. And the thing is, you, you mentioned the the recordings of anyway back to the wrestling there. Um, it started off really well when we when we done that when we take took it on, um, and then just went to pot very soon afterwards. We stopped doing it, and then SmackDown got class again. So I think it's our fault to be fair that, that SmackDown was rubbish. Um, but no, Christmas Day, you know, for the dog, for the dog shit promos, the dog shit stuff, mate. Mate, honestly, see if I was to blame for the dog shit promos, I would literally, like, I, you, I would, 
you reviewed SmackDown when Roman Reigns was getting showered with dog shit, and now he's pretty much the best thing in WWE. <laughs> I know, mate. Like, how did that even happen? But uh, anyway, back to the wrestling. Back to current wrestling. Uh, Christmas Day. Smackdown. I've not had a chance to watch it because I'm not going to lie about Daisy just now. It's Wednesday. When was Christmas? Was it Friday? Friday Last I week it was. I've been I've been pissed ever since, mate. Right? I've been I've been steaming every single day. So I've not had a chance to watch much wrestling. Um, plus the, the birds off work as well, so I don't get a chance to watch wrestling when she's in because she's like, damn that shit off. All oh, right, okay, fine. Um, I know you do. I know you do. You're watching me as well, mate. So. Um, I've not had a chance to see it. I have seen the clips of the the cage match though between uh, Owens and, and Roman. I'm going to go back and watch that match in full because the clips that I've seen from it, again, I'm going back to what I said earlier on about Kevin Owens and going back to what I said about Roman Reigns. It's two guys top of their game. They're now, they can turn their hand to absolutely anything. And by all accounts, the match was amazing. So I can't wait to go back and watch it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the viewership peaked at 4 million in the first hour, which was when uh, it was KO and Roman in the cage match was kicked off they had the women's tag team title match in the middle which would have helped smooth things over mm-hmm. and they ended with that, uh, the big win for Big E over Sami Zayn in the, the Lumberjack match you know to, uh, Big E getting his big moment which they referenced actually on Raw a couple of times as well so it's uh, it's good to see Big E getting something but it gives me swirling because Big E as I mentioned, Biggie and Keith Lee were my two names about two months ago for the Rumble. Yeah. Now I'm not fully sure if Biggie's gonna do it if he's got the tight that title as well. It might be a case of like two thousand and five with John Cena when he was a US champ leading into WrestleMania when he had the shot and he drops it. Hmm. So maybe. It's just a case where I he drops mean, it. Hi, I mean it's not it's not out of the ordinary, is it, for somebody to go in as a as a kind of double champ, is it? You know, or <clears throat> even to win the rumble as as a champ, um, it's not something that's often done. But you couldn't really rule it out either. There's nothing to say Biggie couldn't do that. But I could, I could probably see if Biggie's going to win the rumble if they still want to have him have that moment. I could see him being like maybe cheated out of the belt like next week or something like that on SmackDown. I could see something like that happening, um, and then going into the the rumble match and winning it from there. But I think the fact of giving him the belt this close to the rumble now, giving him that, that belt, is pretty much ruling him out of the, the bigger plans that I think everybody was expecting to see this year with a, a mania match against Roman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean if he does win that first for say, you know, the guy he could drop it to is Jey Uso, you know. Jey Uso could take the US belt. Potentially. With Roman. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting where we could go. There's a lot more interesting stuff that they could do on SmackDown other than put Goldberg in the match, I think it's fair to say. Mate, I'm telling you, see ever since Goldberg has made himself available, that's why I, I didn't I didn't say it there, that's why Big E has won that belt the other day because Goldberg has made himself available for a match, he's going to win the Rumble and that's why they had to put something else on Big E because he, for me, was going to be their pick until Goldberg put himself into the mix and event. oh, well, we can do that, he's still interested, let's have that match that we never got last year that everybody was desperate to see. Like, so I think that's the reason why Goldberg ruined Big E. Goldberg ruined the Fiend as well. Goldberg, mate, ruined, Go- Goldberg ruined absolutely everything, mate. <laughs> uh, to kind of to round off the show as well this week, there's a we'll talk briefly about NXT. Uh, it's a big show on NXT tonight as a time of recording as well. You know, 
it's pro it's let's be honest, this is not it's not a night to care about ratings because they've got the Brody Lee tribute on AEW as well, but NXT still uh, there's a good card on NXT that a lot of people will watch after being live. Uh Leon Ruff has got his rematch with Johnny Gargano. Uh, what's your thoughts on the Yu Gargano stable that's formed since the last takeover? Um, I'm not as I'm not as big on it as I thought I was going to be. To be honest with you, I, I like what they're trying to do. Um, I love Gargano. I love Candice. I don't think they needed to have the stable. For me, a stable should be people that are relatively equal to each other. And it seems like Indy Hartwell and Austin Theory are just a, kind of a bit of hangers on and in the stable to bonus with you. They're not they're not adding anything that I don't think Johnny Gargano could have done himself, if that makes sense. You know, we, you look at the heart business with MVP, um obviously having uh, Bobby Lashley and then adding guys like Cedric and, and Shelton who are kind of top performers and stuff like that. You look at the the way Gargano's class, Candice's class, Indy Hartwell, mm, she's alright, she's a good wrestler, but she's not adding anything to that stable, she's not, Gargano's not gaining anything from having her there, same with Austin Theory, great in the ring, great wrestler, great performer, I just don't think that he's adding anything to that, that stable, um, so, I might be wrong, they might, they might prove me wrong over the next few weeks, but for now, I'm, I'm not, I'm not that big on it to be honest with you I quite like the Christmas skits I thought they were quite funny aye no like I said I think the comedy value aye they've got a lot of kind of good comedy bits um, obviously having uh, Hartwell and Theory getting involved in previous matches and stuff adds that wee bit to it but that's something that doesn't last very long for me that kind of wee good feeling that you get towards the faction at yeah, that it's, point it's a, it's a kind of they need to kind of build on it I mean the bit where they get where she gets the ball, uh, Indy Hartwell gets the present, and it's the PS5, and he goes, "Well, the PS5 is for me, but you get Aye. something on this. <laughs> you can now get the fab, you get the family nickname, Indy Wrestling." <laughs> <Aye>. <laughs> no, it, it, it's good for that sense. Like I say, I, I sound like I'm being pure defeatist. We'll, we'll move on to happier stuff after this. But no, I, I like Gargano. I think Gargano's been brilliant. You know, recently I think this this new kind of heel character has taken an another step again now for him. Um, so I think he's brilliant. Like I say, I think Candice is brilliant in what she's doing. Um, the way might might sway me at some point, but for now it's not. I'm not that that bothered about it. To be honest with you, it's probably a lot to go to to intrigue me a bit more. I mean, one thing that's really hitting the numbers in the last couple of weeks in NXT is the the women's division. In particular, looks like it's we've mentioned many times over the last year or so how great the NXT women's division is, and in the last weeks or so, we've got further development in the Raquel Gonzalez and Rhea Ripley feud, which they seem to be simmering quite nicely. And we also got the return of uh, Mercedes Martinez to the brand after a brief uh, sabbatical on Retribution. Aye, good <laughs> for thing for her. Good thing she get out of that one because that was uh, that was a career ender for her. She jumped out of Retribution and straight into a program with uh, Il Shirai, yeah, where she pretty much she threw her through the table at the site. That's where she belongs. She belongs somewhere like that in that kind of um, position. She doesn't even deserve to. Be, like Mercedes Martinez is a great wrestler. She's brilliant, and she's somebody who could be a top performer. But you know the fact that she had that wee kind of push when she came, and then 
quite quickly just get chucked into retribution didn't work and then she's now fell back to nothing again you're just like it's, it's a bit of a waste of talent but I'm glad she's getting away that early that retribution stuff and she came back and now looks like she'll be just away for a wee bit like it's no she's not been away for too long but it's going to it's going to damage her in any way Aye, uh, definitely. But it's, uh, it's an interesting how that's going to go. And NXT's got a couple of great shows coming up, which uh, I'm sure will get covered in the next uh, couple of weeks of shows with this uh, New Year's Evil show. Kyle O'Reilly getting his rematch. And uh, the fight pit's been announced again between Tommaso Ciampa and Timothy Thatcher. That's going to be an absolute slugfest, isn't it? Aye, it could be a great match. I, I don't think it needs the fight pit thing, though, that they've done with, with Riddle. I don't think the, the fight pit's needed. To be honest with you, but um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see how it goes. But the two of them could put on a, a cracking match anyway. Yeah, definitely. And it's something that we'll keep an eye on in the coming weeks as we go into the new year. But that pretty much rounds up our um, final central show of 2020. It's going into 2021. We've got loads of stuff coming up here on Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet, our usual Tuesday feature show. We've got some great shows to start off the year with that. We've got a look back at the previous NXT UK Blackpool takeovers, a look at the best Royal Rumble moments, and a show on R-Truth. If you're a big Truth fan, you might enjoy that one. Uh, we've also got the usual shows coming up the re- over the rest of the week. We've got Saturday Draft Live, uh, the East Meets West guys are going to be busy with the Wrestle Kingdom New Japan show coming up next week and of course the ESSR Central show we go through all the years as we go into the busiest period of the wrestling year with the Royal Rumble and Wrestlemania so that'll be interesting to see that and obviously on our YouTube channel there's so much stuff there and you just to keep up with that obviously just follow us on social media Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Suplex Retweet and if you've enjoyed this and it's your first time listening please hit that subscribe button and you can get all that great content coming up but from us this week, I'd like to thank uh, Ryan for joining me in his dressing gown, which you can't see. Ryan, yeah, thanks. you can't see it, but I'm in my dressing gown because I'm in the coldest room. But Stephen, just before we finish, I just want to say to folk, this is my little public announcement to get the spirits up. 2020 has been shit. It has been a shit year for everybody. It's been alright for wrestling, but it's been shit for everybody. But 2021 is the year that we get vaccinated. We get back out to the pubs. We get back out to the football. We get back out to the wrestling. We get back to everything that we can normally do get yourself vaccinated keep yourself safe 2021 let's do it boys let's do it I know and as on the day of recording here we've got the second vaccine out in the UK so hopefully sooner rather than later because I cannot deal with this tear pish anymore no, I'm desperate for a pint mate I'm just I'm gagging for a nice cold crisp pint I get one of those pint machines for my Christmas it's tidying me oh, over until. Oh, mate. I've been asking for one of for ages. I can't get the things for it, you know, but it's tidying me over. You know. Which one did you get? Did you get a, a Crups? Did you get a Perfect Draft or did you get a Blade? Uh, it's a Crups one, I'm sure. It's oh, the Beer Wolf nice. one. You know. Aye, nice. The, the, the one with the wee tops in it, aye. Aye, aye. You just can't. Just buying the tops is a nightmare. But See, you've, you've got your own house now. You bought a house, didn't you? You bought a house? Aye. That's what I'm waiting for. I'm waiting to buy a house, and then after that, I'm going to get a bar put in it. I'm going to buy all the machines and all the beer, and we're going to have a party once they're all vaccinated. So the the vaccine will go either either way, mate. We'll either get all, we'll all be fine, and we'll all get past it, or we'll all grow wings on our back, and we'll we'll take off like the Red Bull guys. But either way, as long as you open the pubs, I don't care. Anyway, from us here, we hope you have a good new year, and we will see you in 2021. Have a good one. 
This is an enthusiastic advert for Quiz Showdown 6. Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. Hi, my name's Daniel Campbell. I'm the host of Quiz Showdown, and since it's Christmas time, we're going to do a Christmas special called Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. See Ross McLeod defend his championship against six of ESSR's finest in a Christmas-themed wrestling quiz where there will be laughs, hilarity, and fun. That was an enthusiastic advert for Quiz Showdown 6. Merry Christmas, you filthy animals.